Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of the Bad Music Hurts podcast, a show dedicated to celebrating and discussing our favorite records. It's the holiday season, and what better way to heat up from the cold winter air than the warm vibes of Grand Hotel from the Explorers Club? To help discuss this record with me uh, back again is Amy Granaccio. Hey, Amy. Hey, Mark. Glad to be back. Hi, everyone. Uh, Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas to you, too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing this. Uh, and also with us is Michael Barrowclit. Hello. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. Hey, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Grant Hotel. Um, I-, I thought it would be a good idea to potentially start with uh, how we first discovered this band or how you first heard of this band and uh, what was going on in your life at that time and why you returned to it. Because we all hear, you know, songs or records from time to time and most of them don't stick, but some of them do. And I'm curious why this one in particular uh, stuck with you guys. Uh, So Amy, let's start with you. Oh, well, I feel like this is just, you could put me on repeat for every single podcast that we do. And it's like, I started listening to this because my brothers told me that I should. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what happened with this one is um, you guys shared the files with me and then reminded me and reminded me and reminded me. And finally, I was like, okay, fine, I'll listen to it. So (laughs) I listened to it and it just reminded me a lot of the type of music that I love. And so I I was um, really pleased the first time I listened to it. And then it's one of my go-tos now. I, I listen to it quite often, so... That's kind of how I discovered it. Um, I wish I had a cooler answer to that question. <laughs> you can just mark, just record that and just like input that on future podcasts. Like, here, I'll give you a sound bite. My brothers made me listen to it. <laughs> All right, good to know. I'll put that on the. I'll put that on the soundboard. I'll just press the button when it gets to. <laughs> All right. All right uh, how about you, Michael? Well, I'm not, I'm not that much different. I, I got it from you, Mark, because I think, I don't know how you discovered it, but you sent it my way. And um, I don't know, well, like when I first started listening to this, this was senior year of college, like April, May. It's like things were starting to warm up, things were starting to wrap up. And it's like, I don't know, this this album just really struck a good chord with me at like the right time where it's like, oh, summer's coming, like. It, I, I think this is overall, I mean, we'll get into this, but this is overall, like, happy album. This is my go-to kind of feel-good album, and it just, like, really fit well with that time in my life. So um, I listened to this a whole bunch when I was kind of commuting back and forth from home quite frequently near the end of school. Um, so I definitely listened to this one a lot. But, yeah, I think it was just from you. I think you sent me a zip file, and you're like, listen to them. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and so then I'll I'll finish this off. So I <laughs> sent that file Back when I was, or uh, rather, I discovered the band uh, a few years prior when I was in my Beach Boys kick. Uh, I was in a huge Beach Boys kick um, about three, four years ago, specifically with regards to Smile. Uh, For those unfamiliar, Smile is uh, arguably the most famous record that never happened. It's a colossal failure for the Beach Boys and one of the biggest album failures of all time and that it never happened but famously so because there was a lot of press leading up to it a lot of speculation a lot of leaks that happened during and after the fact and uh it gained a cult following because of this um and uh, all of the events that transpired before and after it's really fascinating uh if you do like uh the beach boys i highly encourage uh reading up on them but i was in a huge kick on that time with regards to uh the smile sessions in particular and i was listening 
listening to it on uh, at the time uh, the Beats streaming service <laughs> before it uh, got absorbed into Apple. Um, and in the suggestions for oh, you might also like listening to right there was Grand Hotel. Um, and I think I listened to like the first couple songs. I'm like, they're good. I wrote that. I wrote them down in my long list of things to check out and I never check them out again until like two years down the road I gave them a listen again like a full listen I'm like no these guys are actually really good and that's about the same time I sent uh Michael the file and we roped you in so um uh so then let's talk about the sound of the record I guess before potentially diving into the actual uh you know song by song breakdown if we want to or just pick out songs in particular we want to discuss the sound of this record uh do any of you have any uh thing to say about it yeah so like this album just like oozes summer vacation and happy vibes to me i don't know why it just does it has that like distinct beach boys inspiration to it but what's just like really fascinating to me about the sound of this album is that it's freaking polished and crisp like my god the harmonies on this album the the production value is insane and it just it reminds me of like boston self-titled how like everything is just like there's not a flaw in the record in the recording and i i kind of liken it to that where it's just like everything's just like spot on but like despite that like high-end production value of this record it just like still pulls off like the genuine older sound and i don't know really how they do that and i started digging around and like uh, i found uh, some articles are saying this album was mixed by Lynette, i think who previously produced the dolby 5.1 surround version of the beach boys pet sounds and mixed their long-awaited smile album and um what also is really interesting is these guys, like, so, like, while finding this, uh, like, mixer, they also are fully into this creating the authentic older sound and how much they're inspired by it. Like, they, he's, like, here's a little expert. They, they have, like, they try to get all the original instruments. Like, they, like, the lead guitarist has a 1950s reissued Telecaster made by Fender. And they just, like, want to do all the older instruments to get kind of that authentic tone. They don't want to, like, artificially recreate it. And that's just what I find so, like, just such a pleasure to listen to this album is it it feels, like, new, the high-end production value. Like, you have the audio quality there, but it still sounds authentic and, like, it came from that era. Yeah, you know what I liken it to is, like, when you get an old recipe from, like, handed down from your grandparents and it's like mixed by hand you know <laughs> and you don't use your you know Cuisinart or your mm-hmm. KitchenAid or whatever you take off your rings and you get dirty and you get down in there that's the only way you can get it to taste exactly like grandma mm-hmm. I think they kind of did something similar in philosophy at least is like if you want it to sound exactly like it did in that early 60s era you use all the instruments that people used back then you use the old amps um mm-hmm. Use an old bass, all, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, Michael, I absolutely agree about the production. That was the thing that stuck out to me the most, especially from, uh, uh, you know, I was a fan of Grand Hotel, so I went back to their first record, Freedom Wind. Coming from Freedom Wind, the production completely shines in Grand Hotel. It, I, I think you described it right. It is crisp and cleanly produced. It is gorgeous i love listening to the record you can hear every single bit of instrumentation you know almost like you're standing right in the middle you can hear and pluck out any particular instrument or vocal you want uh as opposed to freedom wind which i i feel like you also mentioned that the you know they 
were as authentic as possible. And Freedom Wind, I feel they went too authentic in that the production style is very much like the old 1960s Beach Boys albums were, in that they sound like like garbage. Because, I mean, at the time, the production quality at the time was not great. Like, they just didn't have the proper tools. But I, I felt very much like it detracted from their effort because it just sounded so bad it sounded because it sounded so much like just old 1960s beach boys stuff it just sounded like bad beach boys filler is what it sounded like and that was a disappointment to me uh, especially since i think aspects of their approach really was interesting because uh uh the art direction for example for the album was incredible it looks like it was uh, uh, potentially a follow-up to the Beach Boys' All Summer Long in terms of the art aesthetic with the uh, like uh, picture collage on it and uh, the album art itself, both for Explorers Club and Grand Hotel, has this like dis- faux disc rot uh, effect on it, where if you have an old LP, an old vinyl record, and uh, you don't put it in a protective sleeve and you are constantly like taking it in and out of the shelf uh what happens is the disc puts more pressure on the art around where the imprint of the disc is as it's like going in and out of the shelf all the time and it wears down the actual print on that like lip where the record is so what you do is have you have this sort of rotting effect on the art where the record used to be and they they applied that effect both to freedom wind and grand hotel which just it has it's so effective it looks like it's something you found in your grandma's house like just laying around underneath like a, a pile of old clothes and uh and i did think the the music like the actual songwriting in some cases on freedom wind really showed great potential but uh it just the production was was killing it. The production was keeping it from actually shining and keep, like being relevant to what we expect from today. Um, so it kept it very much in the past. I, I've got a, a non-musical person question. When you say like the production, what what does that mean? Well, I can't really answer that well, unfortunately, because um, I, I actually I really don't know the exact definition myself, but I can tell you like what that means to me. An album with bad production sounds very thin. It sounds as if it was played on a single bad speaker somewhere and then recorded and presented to you that way where it sounds like I feel like I'm I'm hearing mush. It's yeah. almost like you're hearing mush. You like you 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 lose the distinctiveness of different vocals and different instruments on a given track and and it just sort of blends together. Other times it's like, wow, I'm really hearing that backup vocalist right now and really nothing else or wow, I'm really hearing that bass and nothing else. Um that's also like bad production unless I guess it was intentional, but even then you could argue it was still bad because it doesn't sound good at least yeah. to you. And you know, production a lot of times is uh uh you know, everyone has different tastes obviously, but um much in the same way that you can have good writing style and bad writing style. I think there's objectively good metrics we can use to say like, yep, this is in general well-produced. In general, this is badly produced. And in general, Freedom Wind just sounds very thin, um, kind of cold, actually, because it doesn't have like a 
depth to it. It just sounds kind of like a wall, almost a wall of just very bland mush. Um, Whereas again, yeah, Grand Hotel, I I don't want to use the word grand, but it does. It sounds grand. It envelops you. It's warm. It's soothing. You can pick out each of the different pieces that make up the whole. So nothing's lost. It's all there and it all still sounds crisp and that's hard to do. So that to me is, is good production on the record. Yeah. I think the mixing is the big one for me. Like the example I go back to time and time again is I love them to death and they're amazing live. But Last Bison's Virginia, their album is mixed very, very poorly where you have no dynamic range. Everything sounds flat like it's on the same level. So you don't hear like live. It was just the songs were amazing live because you just have the huge dynamics of the big drums and just the huge loudness of everything. I just made that album so contagious and awesome. And then when they like mixed it and spread out, I'm like, I listened to it. I'm like, it's just not the same. Um, and I think that's kind of why I liken it to or, or if anything sounds like I'm listening to it in Jenny's radio, even though I have good headphones on. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of what I guess I, I liken it to. Again, I, I don't, I'm with Mark. I don't know that the, technical exact definition but that's that's kind of my interpretation i guess of it that makes sense i i mean i'll be honest listening to albums and and songs i'm not there yet to pick up i guess what is good production versus bad production and it's almost and I, i've mentioned this before it's almost like the I can't even pick out various instruments. So for me, it's always like the lyrics that stick out to me. So it's almost like the other pieces are lost, which is why I like talking to you guys, because I I would never have noticed that or realized that or picked up on it. I don't know what you want to say. But um, so thank you for explaining that to, to us plebs. <laughs> No, it's not even that. It, a lot of things matter. Like, it doesn't matter how well produced a record is. Uh, if you have a bad source file for it, it's going to sound flat and bad. Uh, if you don't have good headphones or good speakers, it doesn't matter if it's well produced or not, because it's just going to sound kind of bad and flat or or, or uh, badly equalized because of what you're playing it on. There's all different kinds of things that go into it. And and also, like, uh, a lot of times I don't notice if a record, like, actually was produced or mastered well until I go to one that isn't. Like, for example, I have a record shelf here, and sometimes I'll listen to a record, and I'm like, this sounds great. And then I'll, I'll sometimes I'll follow it up with another one, and then I'll listen to that one, and I'm like, whoa, there's a definite difference going from that to this. This sounds better than the other one. And it's a lot of times it's, it's hard, it's, it's hard to keep like just the, um, uh, objective truth. There is no objective truth. It, it, you, it's hard to kind of keep and learn that, uh, um, that detection. I, I can't even say I've learned it, but, um, yeah, it's just something to be aware of, uh, when listening to stuff, I'd say. Speaking of not being the end-all be-all, this is not just a Beach Boys cover band this time, uh, which I got a, the vibe off of from Freedom Wind. Grand Hotel incorporates a lot of different styles, which I thought really helped rise this up from where Freedom Wind was, because it definitely still is inspired by, at its core from, like, Beach Boys. I still think that there's a lot of Beach Boys still there, but there's a lot of other things as well. There's a lot of the Herb Alpert and the what is this? Uh, Tiju- Tijuana Brass? Tijuana. Nailed it. Tijuana. Tijuana. <laughs> Tijuana Mark. No, you tried. You, you tried. tried oh, I didn't so post. Hard. It's fine. So <laughs> kind of, kind of back to the album art. You shared the photo on there. 
I think I'm like I was shocked when I was looking at it. I'm like, holy crap, you could you almost see inspiration on the album art between Herb Albert's album art versus Grand Hotel. They both kind of had that greenish tinge to them, and even the fonts look very similar, so you could kind of see a little bit of the inspiration there in the album art for sure. Yeah, it's almost like to paint a word picture for our listeners. You have this lady who's wearing it looks like a wedding dress of whipped cream sitting there suggestively <laughs> licking her fingers in this like kind of Kermity green background is <laughs> <laughs> kind of in the background. And it's got the, this very 70 typeface saying whipped cream and other delights is the title of the record. And it's almost as if they shooed her off stage, cleaned up the whipped cream and got the other lady for Grand Hotel on it, put some flowers. It's like, all right, and now we got Grand Hotel's cover. That's like the effect I get from this. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, this album was super fun. So I listened to it when I, when you first sent it to me, to me and when I visited home near senior year and and around that time, um, I played it for dad and mom when we were kind of sitting around in the kitchen. And it was like, you're saying there, you can, you can, there's so much inspirations here. Dad was like, oh my God. He's like, this is Herb Albert. He's like, oh, this is um, Lady from Ipanema. This is, I mean, like, he was, like, listing off, like, a bunch of different references or, like, um, what's what's his face's name? Uh, is it Paul Anka? Yeah, it was Paul Anka's Times of Your Life, which I encourage you guys to listen to because it has a distinct summer days, summer nights vibe to it that you can definitely see, like, oh, there's um, there's some inspiration there. Or it was just by happenstance, which I don't think so, because Dad was like, holy crap. He's like, this is times of our life, or your life, that is. Um, so it was super fun listening to this with Dad, um, just because he, he had the history, I guess, behind it, because he had listened to all this other stuff that was their source of inspiration. So Paul Ankus, I guess let's kind of go off that, or not, sorry, uh, Herb, uh, how is it, Herb or Herb? Herb, know. Herb Alpert. I'm just going to say Herb Alpert. Uh, I, I don't trust myself to pronounce the rest. Okay. Teal <laughs> um, on like, a brass. You, get, you can distinctly <laughs> hear like, oh, they definitely loved the brass sound of the trumpet and wanted to incorporate that into all these songs. Like, Oh, man. I, I So much of my notes here are like that sassy trumpet, that sassy brass section is mm-hmm. just my favorite thing of the entire record because yeah. they, they pop in and out and it's always a delight when they come back. So uh, real quick, did you so did you guys actually listen to Herb Alpert's A Taste of Honey then? That was off the Whipped Cream and Other Delights. It, it is very much Grand Hotel, like yeah. the title track it actually took me off like it took me aback hearing it and uh what i think uh we touched on this a little bit where it's all of these different styles though it's not just riffing off herv alpert though he definitely is a component of this there's also some bgs there's also some of paul like what michael was saying there's also still the backing of the beach boys it's all of these different elements are creating sort of a mixing pot and that's what kind of makes this actually work for me this time as opposed to freedom wind where it's just like this is a okay cover band now it's like this is a band doing old style songs with today's production and mastering techniques that's that's what the that was like the secret sauce that i was missing yeah i mean this this whole thing is incredibly listenable because it's familiar i mean we grew up listening to you know what what we would call oldie stations and so you know i just it was calming for me almost reminded me of of things like when dad was saying, oh, this is this person or this is Herb Albert and whatnot. Um, in my mind, I wasn't able to draw those names out of my mental Rolodex, but I was able to like recall the feeling of, you know, 
being on the boat in the summer or, you know, driving long distance to go up north and listening to an oldie station. Mm-hmm. And yet and yet it was fresh. It was familiar and mm-hmm. and comforting, but but very fresh. And I liked that a lot. Yeah. It reminded me of being up in Nesita. That's mm-hmm. it's just like call to my mind right there. I'm like, I feel like I'm a kid playing in the sand in Nesita again. Like Well, yeah, and I'll have you know, when you guys convinced me to listen to this, um, it was like just days before um, Ellen, my daughter, was born. And I had taken off work because I was incredibly uncomfortable. And um, I was just trying to kill time and like keep my mind occupied. And so I was listening to this. I was like doing puzzles, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> walking 30 million times around the block. Um yeah, and it was it was really nice. I actually th- in our like birthing classes, they told us, you know, some people want to bring music in to deliver and um I guess I kind of see why cuz this this would be something that's like calming and reassuring and it's not super crunchy. It's just it's it's good background music, I guess. You know, I would put it on if I wanted to write. I would put it on if I was like cleaning my house, put it on in the car. Um, put it on while I'm out dragging Michael around on skis, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's just good stuff. You know, I hear what you're saying. It is definitely, uh, it's, it's an easy lesson for sure. Um, and it's always a delicate balance to strike in my opinion, where like, you know, a record or a song can be easy listening, but a lot of times it's at the expense of having something that's a little bit more substantial and holds up to like active listening or, you know, uh, maybe the songwriting itself is not great. It's generic or derivative or, you know, what have you. But um, that's not the case here. Uh, the vast majority of the songs here have a lot of really interesting components to them and little moments at the beginning or middle or end that keep it fresh and keep it interesting from being just, you know, a two to three minute pop song in the era of like, you know, late 1960s style. It, it elevates the material a little bit, in, in my opinion. Um, I would I would say the lyrics are standard pop, but the instrumentals are what uplift it, is my interpretation of it. I'd agree. I have no problem with the lyrics, but I know our resonant lyric expert here might have some uh, <laughs> some opinions on that. What do you think of the lyrics in general on this, Amy? So, okay, they're very simple. A lot of the songs, like in general, are are short. They're like honestly like two to three minutes, um, which is a a little departure from the other albums we've discussed so far. And I just remember like tearing through the album and being like okay that's it like (laughs) it's really really short um in general and then each song is short and then each song i mean doesn't have a ton of meat to it which so for me i think that's what makes it so easy to listen to is there's not to be honest there's just not a lot of layers to scratch back lyrically it's you know a chorus that they repeat two or three times and maybe one verse. I mean, maybe. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed the same, but um, – and a lot of it is – is I mean, it's not very deep either. It's just – they all just sound nice. Um, they're good sentiments and that's – it's just easy. <laughs> I mean, so I wish I had something more profound to tell you, but they're – like I said, there's just not a whole lot to it lyric- lyrically, but that's actually a good thing. 
yeah, I'd say it matches like the style and the approach very well. Like it would be out of place if it was something like really esoteric, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like as much as I love Richard Turan, here's the his lyric approach would not really work in this. <laughs> right. Definitely yeah. not. No. Um, but yeah, it, it, I I just love it. Like like Amy's saying, it's the simple lyrics. Like I knew the lyrics by like probably the second or third listening to this album, and then you can sing along like very early on where normally it takes you a while like learn it and then get the feel for the songs but this one i was like it just like clicked and all of a sudden it's like okay i I know these songs and and i don't know that was a good feeling yeah i totally agree i found that i was able to mid-song sing along so it wasn't even until like a second listen which was nice um and i kind of wish like these songs would come back on the radio i mean these types of songs, um, a lot of them today, I think, try to, you know, send all these subliminal messages. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Sometimes it's just – it. these are just nice sentiments, nice words. They're short, they're sweet, and you're done. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I think there's – you know, political songs and relevant songs have a place and they need to be there. But at the same time, I think it's uh, a fool's uh, consistency to be like, all songs must be relevant and political and of the time. I, I don't necessarily think like the easygoing sort of Motown approach necessarily needs to die or go away completely. Th- they can always be there as like a, a accent to things. Um, I don't think I, I never really had a problem with having songs that are, you know, just in their own little space and, you know, bringing some positivity, you know, for people that maybe need that, you know, and uh, don't want to absorb really political or really, um, uh, you know, heavy stuff all the time. Um, yeah, so I, I am I am with you. I'm glad that there are bands like the Explorers Club that are making stuff like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just very... Um... It's kind of California, you know, in in the sound. Um, do you it's guys, very California. Yeah. Do you guys <laughs> find that too? Like in the lyrics, just a lot of the words that they choose. Um, not so much tropical as say vacationer, but it's definitely got kind of that West Coast vibe for me. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What is it? It's uh, the opening instrumental. It's just like you feel like you're on the coast of California. No, that one you feel like you're in an elevator. Yes, thank you. Oh, okay. It right? sounds like elevator music, and I mean that in the best possible way. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm literally going down from my room in the Grand Hotel, and I'm about to like step out like so, into... Mark, like. you're making me realize. I read um, an interview with um, one of the band members, um, Jason Brewer, and he's guitar, keyboards, and vocals, and he said that that was kind of what they were trying to do instrumentally on the album is like they're using all these different instruments and it's just like this big musical vacation and there's you know lots of guitar and you know salsa and jazz and rock and roll and 50s rock and blah 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 but it's like you're going into different rooms at a hotel so like if you've ever been to like an airbnb where they have like the new york room and then they have the the this room or the that room and yeah um that's what they kind of were trying to achieve stylistically um, with all the different instruments. And, you know, so that was a really good analogy to tie it all together, Mark, like the elevator music of that intro of you're literally in, in the hotel going down an <laughs> elevator. I, I mean, they even thought about the elevator. <laughs> That's so clever. I never, that didn't even cross my mind, but that totally makes sense. And I totally agree. 
that it does sound like you have a giant band in the elevator. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's jamming out. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And then I do love and appreciate gapless transitions. And there are, I, I think, a few on this record, but definitely from uh, Sunrise to Run, Run, Run. Um, I, I do love me gapless transitions like that. And, man, this is when the production values of Grand Hotel really hit me. That was the moment for me when I put it down on my return to later list because I knew like this is something I I'm gonna want to get when I have money. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah. when I when I first listened to this, I think it only took me till Run 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 to be like, oh, I love this album already. <laughs> like <laughs> I was like hooked immediately. Yeah, I know. And that so that's actually I'm sure Mark, you'll get into this, but I think that was a good choice to put that early on. Because that was like the hook. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a blowout song. It's fantastic. They got um, so much going on here. They got like a tambourine, hand drums, a harp in here. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then they have the brass as well. They just have so much. And it's just like a nice introduction of like, here's what's going to be going on in this hotel. Like, it's very cool. Do you guys want to go through song by song and talk about things that we notice in each song? Um because there's a lot of songs. I mean, because they're so short in this album, there are quite a few to go through. Um, I, I thought, for me, there were just some, like, clear winners that stuck out. Yeah, so um, let's go on that vein, then. What are your kind of clear winners, I guess? My clear winners? Okay, so I've got four. I really like um, Anticipating. I like Go For You. I love It's No Use. And Summer Days, Summer Nights. Those are my four. Let's start with anticipating then. Uh, what about anticipating sticks with you? Um, it. I, I love the beat and I love, I mean, the lyrics are just kind of like, they're like a sweet ultimatum. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And it's, it's like, if you're going to get an ultimatum, you want someone to sing it to you in the lyrics of anticipating. so catchy just like i don't know it's just it's a it's a great one i love yeah, it yeah i love the repetition in it too so the the chorus is like 
<laughs> you know I'm giving a lot. You're taking all that all I've that got. got. So I'm going to let you turn a little key. Little key. We're going to love, love you. you. Love <laughs> you. Love you. <laughs> I can't wait anymore. <laughs> oh, baby, my heart keeps All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> well, this is I'm awesome. breaking this up. Is... I'm breaking up this part. <laughs> there also no, but... is, um, this is one of the few other ones that features the female singer of the group. Is Yes. And uh, Summer's Day, Summer Nights. And I'm, I'm just so really sad that summer days summer nights doesn't really feature her outside of the beginning like I'm like, she's oh. so underutilized i know like that's uh, one of my that's one of the shames of the record in my opinion and just sports club in general yeah uh, i don't think she's a member of the band itself i think she was a guest artist but uh man like they they should either bring her in full time or just like you know when she is brought on like you know have her feature or something like i'd love to hear her more yeah mm-hmm. And and this is a song too, just like um, with her voice and the repetition. But I I want to tap my foot to the song. And if you're driving, you kind of want to tap the steering wheel. Um, it's it's a boppable song. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you a guys- lot of these are boppable songs. I always <laughs> yeah. find myself like tapping along, and I, yeah. I just like it gets me moving. I don't know. One of the things that uh, I bring it back to what I was saying prior, where it's like there's a lot of little interesting musical moments that sort of keep things fresh, even though they are very easy listening songs like the breakdown. Come on, baby, come on. Like and, and, and like the instrumentation sort of strips back a little bit and, and they kind of just get groovy for a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's fun. I love things like that, where it's like you can ride the musical style you built up for the song all the way through consistently. A lot of artists do that. A lot of songs do that. But I always love when artists kind of hunt and peck around a little bit and find a different sort of approach, a different take, a different uh, uh, perspective on the song and maybe touch on that for a little bit and then touch over here and then bring it back again to whatever like the core river melody of the song is. I love doing that and they do that and anticipate and that's my favorite part of the song is the, and that's what makes me love the song is they have like that little moment in there. You want to know who does that really well is Sturgill Simpson. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I now that you're saying that I'm like connecting the dots here. Yeah, he they remind me a lot of him in that way. Um just with his mo- moment in like one of his first songs where it like you totally break into it halfway through the song and <laughs> bring the whole, out the brass. Bring out the brass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay, yeah, totally agree. So do, do any of you guys, so Mark, I kind of cheated and I saw some of your notes and it looks like <laughs> you might also favor anticipating. Uh, I, I, actually, that's all I had to say. <laughs> anticipating, that's the only note I have for it. Uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I got, I got nothing else. Uh, <laughs> panic. Oh, man. Um, I did have quite a bit to say about Bluebird, though, which is the, the oh. next track. It's getting hard to see. Which mountain I should climb Indecision all around me I'd rather slip away Cause there's too much to say But we can make it right I see a brighter day And we can make it stay As long as love's alive Bluebird, don't you fly away Oh, yeah, very much mm-hmm. so. In fact, like the uh I 
forget which member of the band comes up to sing this particular song, but it is very, I get so much Carl Wilson vibes from this. He's the guy that's saying, uh, God only knows. Um, yeah, no, he sounds a lot to me like Carl Wilson and God only knows. And that's a, a good thing. That's again, like those callbacks to like, this still is like the Explorers Club still loves the Beach Boys. They're still very much grounded in that. And the Bluebird brings all of those Beach Boysy vocals back. Uh, and you know, it's, it's always fun to me also that they've been swapping lead singers from uh, anticipating from Run 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 and now to Bluebird. They have different members of like I think the five or six uh, man act coming forward to sing the lead vocals. So they actually like come forward depending on who wrote the song or whose voice best fits the song and that to me, reflects very much on how the Beach Boys used to be, actually, where it's like, sometimes Carl will sing, uh, sometimes Brian will sing, um, sometimes Mike will sing, like, uh, the different boys take over depending on who fit the song best, honestly, um, so it, it's, it, it keep, helps keep this record fresh, too, because you're not hearing the same voice for every single one of these quick songs, you're hearing very different approaches, very different styles, so, uh, Bluebird was a hit for me on that front. I didn't really pick up on that. I kind of like something did seem different, like vocally. But yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, they are different singers because I was like, yeah, it doesn't sound like the same person. But I'm like, maybe it is just like a different tone for each song. But no, that makes sense now. It's kind of like um like a very tightly organized improv night <laughs> coming up to the mic. Do you guys have any other standouts on your list that match with mine? What was your, so you said anticipating, what was the second one? Go For You. Oh, man, oh, I like Go yeah. For You, too. You like yeah, Grand you. Hotel okay. leads right in. It's yeah. Gapless, Gapless Transition. Gapless Transition, ah. Uh, uh. Honey, now, da-na, da-da-da-da. <laughs> it's just, oh, I love it. Girl, I just can't find the kind of love I feel inside. Oh my god. Yeah, and the brass comes in to provide accents when necessary too. Like so that also ties it back to the Grand Hotel instrumental. So like mm-hmm. is the band still there? <laughs> so can, can, uh, we, can we can we talk about that one moment where one of the backup singers just like belts out, "Come on, baby." I <laughs> love that. That is my favorite part of the ending. <laughs> Come on, baby. <laughs> It's just such a bi- good build in having Grand Hotel that's just like this instrumental just like free for all of everything goes goes into this and it's it's just that gapless transition i agree mark i'm i'm a sucker for it it's it's great mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i i just i like the message too it's like very sweet like pleading <laughs> like <laughs> i like you do you like me <laughs> um and it's kind of taking it back to like the 60s too with lyrically where he they're like whoa Honey, now, <laughs> <laughs> like, just kind of do a little doo-woppy, you know. Mm. I mean, even the instrumental like lead out after that is like da 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 da. It's yeah. just so, it's mm-hmm. so old style. It's yeah. so delightful. It is. Yeah. It totally is. Um, uh, before going on to Amy, your next uh, standout, any little way is the very next one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, hijack yeah. and sure. talk about this one.
I love songs like this on records. And this is actually what makes, for me, listening to records so special. Nothing Like Any Little Way is single material. You'll never hear a song like Any Little Way as a single. It's just not going to happen. Singles have a distinct style and approach to them to make them marketable and listenable in the broader context. So they do have to fit somewhat of a formula of being a certain length, a certain style. But on records, you don't really have that limitation. In fact, you have the opposite. You have a lot of time you need to kill on a record. So what are you going to do? You might, if you have a little instrumental blurb that you've been working out and you're like, well, this is not good enough to be like a full song, but I like this little ditty. So I'll throw it on. And I love when artists do that because it gives you an opportunity to hear those, those little vignettes that you wouldn't hear otherwise. And there's so many things like that, like Her Majesty on The Beatles' Abbey Road, um, and uh, Lions on Walk the Moon, uh, Wild Honey Pie on The Beatles' White Album, uh, 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 Ram On on Paul McCartney's Ram, uh, She won't, she Just Won't Believe Me, uh, Tame Impala's Lonerism, uh, Farther on Vacationer, on, uh, Vacationer's Gone. I love Farther. And all of these songs and many, many more like them are incredibly short, like barely breaking a minute, if that. A lot, some of them were like seconds long, but they are so powerful and good at what they do. It's like an exquisite appetizer or like palate cleanser to help transition you from like one thing to another. Um, and, that's what I love about it. It's not a single, and it's fine. It works for what it is. It's like this little, I, I think that's the word to use, appetizer, palate cleanser in the middle of the album. It's like a brief, sweet summer breeze. And man, the flutes on Any Little Way, I love to death. The flutes <laughs> on it are just spectacular. I see in your comments a lot of things about flutes in Any Little Way, and then also It's No Use, which is next on the album. So I don't, have we? analyze an album that uses flutes like, not up to this point not that i've like been able to pick out like there might have been like potentially a flute on like some grander instrumentation on some stuff we talked about but i, I off the top of my head nothing stands out to me as like flutes taking center stage um which is a shame i actually really love a well-placed flute or woodwind instrument um i i i think they're very underutilized just overall i think when they are used they can be used to great effect um and uh so when i do see them or hear them rather on a record and they take more of a prominent you know stage if not for just a brief moment uh i it's always something i appreciate nice yeah i um that was another one of my top ones um oh really yeah yeah it's it was kind of melancholy um and i liked that you know, a little change of pace. Not not so happy. Um, notch bag, a little bit more somber. Um, for me, that was kind of like uh, a breather. It was on my favorite list, but I I agree with everything Mark said in the sense that like it is a nice break, and it it is it's not bad, but it is almost a little bit forgettable. Where I was like, any little way, I was looking at my notes. I'm like, which one was this again? I'm like, oh wait, yes, it's the instrumental one. Um, and I agree. I, I agree with. Like, it's nice to have those little instrumental bits. It's like an intermission almost in the mm -hmm, album mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, like we, and I think that kind of works good to have that between go for you and it's no use because it's no use is a little bit more of um, a slower song until they have the big dynamic and tempo change at the end. Um, I think this is kind of a good parting song in between the two, um, which it's no use is, is probably up there on, on one of my favorites i i like that one it's a good good one 
Yeah, I, I love It's No Use as well. Um, I like that the flutes bring us back in, not only because I like the flute, um, but also because it does, uh, it maintains continuity, actually, for uh, uh, any little way that came prior. Like, the, loot, the flutes bring you out in any little way, and then the flutes, or at least something that sounds like flutes, bring you right in at uh, uh, It's No Use. And uh, it also helps, you know, bridge the stark contrast between the very airy any little way to the more melancholy, grounded, it's no use. Um, it helps sort of bridge the gap between those two tonally. And uh, man, I, Michael, you mentioned it. I love the breakdown at the end. Here's a problem that I have with some songs in general. Some songs have an unfortunate affliction to them. <laughs> and it's the fade out. Fade out, done poorly now here's something that when I'm, I'm i'm about to spread like a brain germ to you guys and once you're aware of this it's going to affect you guys for the rest of your life i apologize but okay. um when you're listening to a song and it doesn't really know how to end like the artist doesn't know how to end the song they do a fade out but a bad fade out where they literally are like let's repeat the chorus repeat the chorus repeat the chorus and hopefully the people don't realize that we don't have an actual ending so we're just going to start fading out the song and hope they don't notice um, oh, that i hate it's lazy songwriting because they don't have an actual substantial end to the song now i'm not saying fade outs as a tool is bad here's an example of a fade out done right in my opinion because it sounds like the band is literally being like played out with this like jazzy break down at the end like okay let's bring it back up and we're out of the town um, <laughs> just like bringing themselves out and to me that's it was an interesting little finish at the end as opposed to like the song is just dying as if it's running out of batteries it's mm-hmm. it's it's an actual send-off um right. so this is in my opinion fading done correctly yeah. um so i really do appreciate it's no use for not just ending the song with a lazy fade out and and it's a good it's a good pickup after the song that's kind of like a slower one here it's like all right but like yeah it's like yeah it's no use yeah we're gonna yeah. like rock out and jam out of this and i don't know it's like it's kind of admitting it's admitting defeat like oh it's no use like finding over you whatever and just like yeah. accepting that fact they finally accept it all right we're gonna jam out and... <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i kind of want to jump ahead a little bit if that's okay for you guys to it's you followed by sunset i think these two are kind of two sides of the same coin and I really like these two together where it's like you have the nice piano slow song of it's you. And like this is one of the ones where like lyrically, I actually really like it. Um, it's it, it has kind of the emotional gravity of like someone actually admitting like, oh, it's love. It's not like like or any bullcrap mm-hmm. like that. Like <laughs> like it's like like. Oh, just love the harmonies at the end here like the ooh ooh 
are like oh very just, beach boys oh it's great but i also really love the like the coin here where you have a flipped over with sunset and now you have pretty much sunrise repeated instrumentally but now they slap on lyrics onto it it's the joy of finding out oh it's 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 mutual. We're like, there's no one else for me. There's no one else but you. Like, it just nice. It builds off nice of like the message of it's you. Like, and it's it's that upbeat. Like, you're back in the elevator, I guess. Right? You've had your nice journey. And yeah. You've been on the coast, and now you're back in the elevator, going back to your room. I don't know. It, I, I really like keep, keep like these two together. I really like, even though they don't really directly flow into each other. I think they do kind of belong with each other. I guess. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I um, I this one is not a favorite for me. Honestly, I think uh, I know blasphemy. I, 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 <laughs> what I, I, you can see is Mark's reaction. Mark's and- face just like lost, <laughs> lost tension. Like the smile just like <laughs> Please give me my Christmas gift. Um. <laughs> All you get is a card and coal yeah. that says you don't like it. You. Yeah, I don't like you. You're a terrible person. No, um, this one was a little like a little canned lyrically for me and for me you know i'm all all about the lyrics so this one just didn't have a whole lot of substance for me to hold on to and um not that any of them really do but this one like noticeably less so than the others so that was why Mm. i disagree but you know (laughs) 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 i do like it's you um i i agree like i i I, for the album as a whole, I don't really pay much mind to the lyrics. The lyrics are there to, like, be the lyrics. Um, for me, it's always the instrumentation and, like, the vocal work. Um, and, and it's you. It's it's some of my favorite on the record. They have, like, this repeating, blossoming vocal chorus going on, uh, particularly at the end with uh, the lead singer going, like, yes, I'm ready, yes, I'm ready, and these, like, blooming, like, the flowers on the album art, like bursting in the background and uh cascading down around you it's uh it's done to wonderful effect and it's um uh definitely the beach boys homages are back in full force at this song as well that's why i think like the beach boys inspiration never really left it's just now serving the foundation as opposed to just the entirety of the thing um and back to the reprise, like, man, I am such a basic bro when it comes to reprises. It's my kryptonite. You put a reprise on the album, I'm going to love that album to the day I die. I love <laughs> that I love that the uh, sunrise sunset motif is there to sort of bring us in and bring us out in the uh, record. And uh, uh, do it is interesting to note, Michael did mention, yes, they have vocalists now in this time, but they also removed the beach samples, the beach like oh, samples of the ocean and the birds. Mm. Like, it's gone. It's empty. It's if it's if like the world around you is calming down you're still in this elevator going back up to your room but like it's quiet outside there's not much going on now the party's the party's winding down it's sunset um and that's done again to just wonderful effect um so yeah i do appreciate these two songs um but i can understand not liking it's you from like potentially a lyric perspective i didn't pay it much mind so maybe that tells you all you need to know from my point of view but yeah um instrumentally i feel there's enough there okay um 
Yeah, I think that just goes to show that, you know, how diff- different we are when we look at a song and what we pick out. Um, so I'm going to go back and listen to that instrumentally and, you know, pay more attention. And I might like it better. Huh. <laughs> well, I mean, it's half the fun. Now I might go back to it and be like, man, these lyrics are canned. So. <laughs> these lyrics uh, to, this is the beauty of it. <laughs> it's Campbell's Fresh. Oh, no. Canned lyrics. Canned lyrics. <laughs> Cream oh, of my- lyrics. By <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Just microwave for 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, Mark, I have a question for you. Why why is Sunset not the last track on the album? Okay. I'm going to have to talk about this now because I've been delaying and holding my tongue. Why isn't it the last song in the record? So, the pacing on this record is the worst problem it has. The pacing is bad. it is to me very clear there are two very distinct kinds of songs on here. There's the very upbeat, happy, uh, early Beach Boysy like poppiness, happiness. Not necessarily stylistically, but the like uh, the spirit. I mean, more than anything, is there. But then also they have this really somber, sad, slow song, like mellow songs, mostly near the tail end, but not really. And then you have this reprise kind of haphazardly thrown there as like an anti-climax. Like there's still three songs that come afterwards um, that are also all pretty mellow, pretty laid back. So what's going on here? The pacing is wrong. The pacing on this album is wrong. The pacing on this record that makes the most sense is you use uh, Apelico, uh, Sunrise, and Sunset as your anchors to the beginning of of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Isn't it Apolco? Apolco. No, it's yes. Acapulco. Acapulco. I'm just going to say Sunrise. Uh, <laughs> yes. So sun- <laughs> Sunrise and its reprise, Sunset, should be the anchors at the beginning of both the different sides of the records. And then on the first half of the record is what's already kind of there is all of the more upbeat songs, all the more poppy, free-spirited ones. And on the other side, it's Sunset. We have more of a night. We have a more of a laid back. We'll strip it back a little bit. Not dissimilar to strange strange trails you might notice that i'm going for a similar aesthetic here where strange trails very much has more of the yeah. the dance driven songs in the first half and then it lays mm-hmm. back and gets more like introspective and and uh, yeah. uh mellow in the second half and that's hard to do but it can be done well and it's so close here where all you need to do in fact that you barely need to move anything at all you treat the uh sunrise and sunset you keep them basically where they are um And then there's one song in particular that needs to get the hell out of where it is. And it's I've Been Waiting. I love this song. What the hell is it doing on the second half of the record? Because, like, you have Sweet Delights and It's No Use and all of these mellow songs. Then you have these backing vocals going, la, 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 la. It's like, no! What are you doing? You were, like, lulling us into a sunrise, like, mood here. And then you got, like, uh, Buckhands McGee over here going, la, 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 la. Like, the time for that has passed. Why is it here? Um, So, in my opinion, the record would stand much better 
if we used sunrise and sunset to lead us into the different moods of the record, the free-spirited, poppy beginnings, the more mellow, introspective uh, parts in the second half, and we use those as like the divisions to indicate to the audience when the beginning of these new sections is happening. Mm. That, to me, is the thing that makes the most sense. It's a missed opportunity. Uh, so, Amy, you're right. What is sunset doing there? I don't know what it's doing there. <laughs> Do you think it was like intended f- for comedic relief? <laughs> you know, was it getting too heavy and they needed to like lighten it up a little bit? I don't think it needs to be there. I think the material there was substantial enough and uh, is soothing enough to stand on its own. It wasn't really depressing the second half. It was more mellow. It's sunset. We're now sitting on our beach chairs, uh, maybe in like a... Uh, a screened porch kind of just overlooking the quiet ocean like it's it's peaceful that's fine it's okay to have that you don't need comic relief for that i just i i don't know how i like your i i I, like here's here's what's like bothering me it's like i agree to a certain extent with what you're saying but i also don't like how it fits in the upper half of the album i don't like how it sounds when you go from go for you to any little way i don't think it sounds very good um, I like how Go For You kind of leads into, um, oh, sorry, it's, um, no, that is how it is. Which one? Go would- For You leads into Any Little Way. Though That remains the same. It's now, instead, Any Little Way is the last song in the first half, mm. as opposed to Any Little Way being the last song in the uh, first half. And then, oh, no, that's, that still remains the same. Apologies. But now the beginning of the second half, instead of it being It's No Use, Sweet Delight, it's, and then going back to It's Been Waiting from out of nowhere, it instead does the reprise, and then It's No Use, Sweet Delights, and then into uh, like more of the mellow songs of the record. Mm-hmm. So it continues the trend. It continues like... It, it it's an uh, it's just an outlier there. It doesn't belong. Yeah, yeah, I guess what I guess what rubs me the wrong way is that I like how it's you and sunset feed together, and I don't like how you split them up. <laughs> if you do that, and so I I would argue instead of putting sunset in the middle, that you like Amy saying why isn't that the end? I think it maybe makes a little bit more sense to slap that at the end as the closer. Um, and you do yeah, because I I don't know how I like. I like how uh, any little way feeds it into uh, it's no use. I like that. So I kind of messed up my previous comment. That's the one that I like. And I don't know how Sweet Delights really... I don't know. I've just become so used to the order of this that to mix it up just feels kind of (laughs) wrong, I guess. Well, that's just you being used to the order, though. That doesn't necessarily mean the order is right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I I agree with what you're saying, but it also just sounds wrong. (laughs) But I will will give you, I think it could equally work with having Sunset being the last song on the the second, the last half. That could also work. I, I personally think I like it being, like, the signal to the audience that, hey, we're entering kind of a different phase here. I like that a little bit better, but just in the same way that Strange Chills had a reprise at the very end, that it can work, and it mm. works to great effect. It's just, personally, I would have liked to see it at the... Anywhere else than where it is right now <laughs> is what I want. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, that's my opinions on that front. No, I I, I kind of like... Sorry, Michael. I kind of like Mark's idea. <laughs> I know I said that what, why isn't the last song on the album, but that was more just like taking the fact that sunrise was the first and like Mm -hmm. doing the inverse of that um yeah Mm -hmm. because you know sunrise sunset first last um time works true but well no actually it's not i mean mark's way works a little bit better because you think there's 
you know, roughly 12 hours in between each sunrise and sunset. So Mm -hmm. if you were to play this album on a loop, you would have sunset going straight into sunrise. Yeah. And then the 24 hours worth of songs, even though it's 24 minutes, you know. So -hmm. Mark's Way actually does work according to how... Yeah, time works. works. Time works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to 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 give Michael credit, I I I haven't listened to the full thing with the order that I proposed. Like in in a meta theory, I think the order works better this way, but it just might not work out musically. So you yeah. know, what can you do? I I. But it still doesn't change the fact that personally, I am disappointed with the pacing on the record. Unfortunately, uh, before we get to the last three songs on the record, um. Just on a meta sense, what do you guys think of the last three songs on the record? Because in my opinion, they're very different than mm-hmm. the things that came before. Even the more mellow songs on the second half of the record, it's even distinct from those. Um, what do you guys think? Summer Days and Summer Nights was on my list of favorites. I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. After all that we've said today, after all. To be there for all of your sweet summer days, summer nights, summer days, summer nights. Um, what's refreshing about this one is that it has that like candid acoustic beginning, which is kind of like a nice break from the perfectionist production value on this album. Is that you kind of have that like, I don't know. It's just it's it's a nice break. Um, and I'm serious though, guys. Pull up. I have the link in the in the show notes here. Pull up Paul Anka's "Times of Your Life" because um, it's it's quite interesting. The inspiration there. Good morning, yesterday. You wake up and time has slipped away. And suddenly it's hard to find the memories you left behind. Remember, do you remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it, it. The vibe is very much there. Yep. Oh, yeah. I just thought that was really interesting because this was one of the ones that dad was like, it's like, this is times of your life. <laughs> um. So, uh, no, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I don't know. I just. I just really like this one. I, I don't know really to describe why. Yeah. Um. I like the subject matter of it. I like the message of it. Um. I don't know. It just. It just. I don't know. Vibes with me. I guess. Yeah. I. I was the same way. It's. It's hard to describe why you like it, but you listen to it and you press repeat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, starting with summer days, summer nights, in my opinion, and then into the weight of the world, and then open the door. Uh, the last three songs on this record, uh, musically, from a songwriting perspective, I think stand head and shoulders above basically every other song on this record. Um, and not that the other ones are bad, but these are exceptional. Um, and looking at the record, I have it on my shelf, um, they are all, in fact, written by Jason and performed by Jason uh, as, like, the lead singer. Um, and 
well, up until this point in the record, like we have different people writing, you know, Jason's there, but maybe some of the other guys, maybe some, one of the other guys took over singing and writing this one. And like, you know, it's mix and match, but like the anchor of this album is Jason and they are clearly Jason's songs. These were his like pet projects for the end of the record. And it really shows to me. And, um, Again, bringing it back to the Beach Boys, I can't help but feel that like Jason maybe is leveraging a little bit of his Brian Wilson love there because Brian Wilson did basically the same thing on Surf's Up, uh, the Beach Boys' is, uh, I think 1970 or yeah. 1969's mm-hmm. record, where... Uh, Oh man, Brian Wilson was like just spiraling out of control at that point with drugs and uh, mental problems because all of his support structures in life fell away. Uh, Mike Love, you suck. Um, But basically, um, you know, he was spiraling out of control, but still, still, he was there to provide and he provided these gorgeous anchor songs on the record, like uh, three ending songs on the record. They're fan fantastic. We had uh, A Day in the Life of a Tree, Till I Die, and then a, a... scrounging of what they could find from Surf's Up from, again, bringing it back to the Failed Smile project. Uh, that was from that project. And that was one of the things that got people talking is like, clearly the song is like something else. What is this? And it was from that failed project. Um, and I get very similar vibes from uh, the Explorers Club and Grand Hotel here with Jason like kind of taking the helm and like, I'm going to close this off and craft these three gorgeous songs. And man, it to me is what makes the album a lasting impact to me. Because otherwise, it would be a nice, easy breeze, like, uh, listen, like we've been talking about. It's a very easy listen. But something about the songwriting in these last three songs really tie things together. And I can't help but, in my own mind, draw comparisons to the way Brian Wilson also played out Surf's Up. So, uh, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have to... I don't have too much else to add on Summer Days, Summer Nights that hasn't been spoken already, but uh, I do, again, another great uh, example of a fade out done right. It kind of catches up a little bit after such a kind of um, mellow, uh, sappy song. I mean, not, not sappy in a bad way, but I don't know how else to describe it. A very emotional song. Um, it, the instrumentation does pick up, and it plays itself out in a really uh, uh, classy way, um, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good breakdown. It's the acoustic breakdown, and then they get like, the maracas in there it's it's nice oh wait in the world yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah um i don't have too many comments on way to the world and open the door um i like open the door um but i think out of the three that are the closer summer days summer nights is still my favorite like he could have ended on that and that mm-hmm. would have been substantial enough in my opinion to close the album it's very much like he wrote three ending songs that are all mm-hmm. amazing didn't know which one to pick so he just threw them all <laughs> <Yeah>. on <laughs> Yeah, I kind of get that sense too. Yeah, yeah. Well, good thing they're all good, you know. Yeah, I do like the. I mean, I had I've been kind of poo pooing the lyrics on the album, not like poo pooing, but not really like paying much mind to them. But th- they did stick out to me in Way to the World, like uh, take a break from the world and its ups and downs. It's it's as if he's literally inviting us into the hotel for like you know the last night stay. Like, hey, come in, like chill, chill out for a little bit with us, and it's um. Uh, it's a really pleasing way to re- really unwind after the record. I really do like that about that. And yeah, Michael de Maracas bringing us in. It is, it is, brings some, there, there you go. The sort of the comic relief, a little bit of cheerfulness. Like it kind of is a, a, a little, ja- not jazzy, but it's a little bit more of an upbeat song, but it is still in the general sense, more stripped back and laid back than um, the, the other cuts on the record. Come with me 
Open the door, man. That like ELO style ending is just. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Open That's a the great door. descriptor for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is so ELO. You're right. Oh my god. It, it it's an epic close though. It really yeah, is. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. That that drum slam echoing us out. Fantastic. No, that that's that's definitely ELO to a T. It really is. <laughs> well, I did appreciate that because there's no mm-hmm. e- anything even assembling ELO anywhere else on the record. So it's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, they exist too. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Um I did appreciate that. So uh that's that's actually all I have to say about the record as a whole. Um though I really do enjoy it. Uh, only drawback is the pacing, but man, like those that that anchor of the album with Jason and uh the uh the reprise and uh, the distinct two halves. I definitely do appreciate it. It's a really fun listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree. And I was just thinking on that last um, clip you just played us. That's the absolute opposite of a fade out, right? <laughs> <laughs> they got louder. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Went out with the bang. Mm, I love that stuff. Love that mm, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Musicians have fun with endings. They can be fun. They can be fun, right? Oh my gosh. All right. Anything anything you guys missed? Anything you want to bring up? No, I'm gonna go listen again. <laughs> I was about to say I, I probably will as well. Yeah, I don't know. This 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 was fun. I'm glad we, yeah. we yeah. did this album. I think it was it was it's just a great one. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm so glad we were all able to take this brief Christmas vacation before the holiday itself was upon us to uh, listen to these warm, good vibes. But uh, it's time for us to return to the harsh, wintry wonderland that is the Midwest. But um, before doing so... Speak for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, enjoy the desert for us. <laughs> but Amy, Amy, thank you so much for being on here with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me again. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hey, Michael, thanks for joining us as well. Yeah, it was a good time. All right, and thank you, listener, for tuning in. All the show notes and uh, references we've uh, talked about during the show can be found online on badmusichurts.com or in the show notes of your podcast player of choice. You can just scroll down and scroll to the right, depending on what player you're using. Um, and uh, we hope to see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and take care. See you on the other side. I have something just kind of like a random bit of trivia. Oh. Um, There was a song from the Explorers Club on How I Met Your Mother.
Oh, really? really? Huh. Yeah, it was in like season two, and it's the episode where Marshall and Lily get back together, and they kiss, and the Explorers Club plays. But it's off of their first album. Oh, Freedom um, Wind. It's off of Freedom Wind. It's not off of Grand Hotel. That's interesting. I didn't realize they were on like, I mean, How I Met Your Mother was pretty pretty big. I'd never big. realized yeah. Explorers Club actually had that much uh, um, mm-hmm. attention on them. That must have been great for them. Good for them. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I was surprised by that as well. So um, just a little trivia tidbit. Hmm. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, it's like how Lord Huron has gained a lot of popularity with shows using um, Take Me Back to, or The Night We Met. The Night We Met. Yeah, yeah. featured yeah. on 13 Reasons Why or whatever. Oh, yeah. can I just like take a quick pause to say like Kenny Chesney just took Lord Huron's song and murdered it just <laughs> brutally. I thought it was it. interesting. I didn't think it was that bad. It didn't murder it as much as he did neuter it. He neutered the <laughs> song. Yes, I agree. He he did. He I mean his band is not equipped to do that song. Yeah, I mean no. I don't really blame him because they're just not. Yeah, I just. Um, <sighs> yeah. nothing against well, kenny you, chesney it's just i don't think he did a good job no, no but yeah, why did well, he have to touch such a good thing <laughs> you know what you know what you know what's really annoying and it really irks me is my friend sent me a um the night we met but some uh lady they did a they made the song a not a duet but they added another vocal vocalist to the song a female vocalist and it sounds awful it's like the song was not meant for another singer and it's like someone was doing karaoke with ben schneider it sounds so bad and it's like oh and everyone's just like fangasming about this and i'm just like god damn it i'm like guys no (laughs) the song was fine the way it was covers are because you slapping our singer on it covers are very very hard to do and to do it wasn't well. a cover though because ben still sang all his own lyrics. oh no so no. It, it seriously was like a karaoke cover oh that's it bad. just was so bad it was so bad it made me very concerned if you guys want i can send no you the please don't don't <laughs> it was bad it, it was really bad i'm like oh guys you don't know why this is a good song it's a a good song because of the lead up to it in that album like it's a great song standalone don't mind you that but you do you have the context of the entire album leading into that and to just slap an our singer on top of it it's like guys no mm, yeah like if you want an example of lord huron purposefully having another vocalist song ben schneider do meet me in the woods it's like that's how you do it like mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it just bothers me when i'm so emotionally attached to a song and love it so much in its original state and then someone's like hmm let me do it a different way and I'm like no! you like garbage <laughs>